Welcome to Stutzcast on Saturday, March the 26th, 2022. It is uh, 7.41am and it's surprisingly light. Uh, earlier podcasts at this time of the morning, it'd be, it wouldn't be light yet. But spring is obviously coming. Oh, can you hear that? That is the sound of water rushing through the main drains and over here too water there's a reason for that which we'll go into there's water running everywhere down the gullies alongside the road here in La Heredia and it's been well it's been 24 hours since it stopped raining but uh, we had a lot of rain and a lot of strange rain. Very strange. So, I'll explain. But first of all, welcome. And thank you for joining us. The uh, sky is cloudy. But um, but not orange. <laughs> that may strike you as a strange thing to observe. The clouds are not orange. <laughs> but there is reason. <laughs> and today... It's a big day in my calendar. Come on, Rooney, don't do that. It's a big day on my calendar. And on Rooney's calendar. Because Maya Katie Stuttard comes back for her Easter vacation from university. Ooh, we're excited, aren't we, Rue? And Josh is coming too. <laughs> oh, they're going to be... Uh, well, pretty soon, I think they're going to be on their way to the airport. And we'll pick them up at six o'clock tonight. And, uh, wow. Time does fly, it really does. But uh, it seems, in, in, in other ways, like it's been such a long time since since they were here. Well, Maya was here at Christmas. So it's not that long, but it's really over six months since they were here, uh, you know, for a good long stay. Anyway, ooh, I'll just pull over here because it's an early morning car. That's unusual. <sighs> right. Gosh, this, this part of the uh, road is completely still flooding like mad. Anyway, let me uh, get beyond the intro. So, again, thanks for joining us. And uh, let's make a start. That's nice, but that wasn't the one I was after. That. <laughs> They're interrupting each other, but that one, the new one, that is a Eurasian wren. A wren. There he goes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So that's, that's a Eurasian wren. One more, one more go.
Okay, and the, the other little guy that you could hear just then, well, I tried to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that was either a song thrush or a chaffinch. So, there are quite a few. That's me, whistling for Rooney. He's disappeared. Oh, here he is. Come on, Roo. Come up the hill. So, uh, you know, ooh, ooh, signs of spring. <laughs> That's the chaffinch, I think. Pigeon. Yes, good old pigeon. Familiar to most of us. Whatever parts of the world you live in, you'll come across the good old pigeon. So I think that the, uh, you know, the spring sounds, compared to the spring sounds that we had last year, <laughs> where you had those red-winged blackbirds and the red cardinals and all those sort of guys, we don't get those over here. This is a much more sort of North African, Southern European uh, collection of players. And they are really wonderful. You know, I feel lucky. It's a bit like, <laughs> this is a ridiculous analogy, but I feel it's a bit like being, you know, standing as the conductor in front of a, an orchestra of talented players and they've all got their own instruments. <laughs> you can, you know, you, you, you can just sort of point, point at one and off he goes. I wish I could do that because they don't always do exactly what I want. You know what I mean? They're, they're out there. It's very, very pleasing. So, here we are. Oh, there we go. Out again on a Saturday morning. I seem to be falling into a pattern of, uh, of doing these podcasts on a Saturday, which probably is a good thing. You know, I used to do them much more frequently. But, you know, I think uh, oh, perhaps a weekly podcast is, is the way to go, is it? And then you've got a sort of a, a week's worth of roundup to think about. Saturday's good because, you know, it tends to be more relaxed, doesn't it, Rue? And uh, on this walk that we take, if we, in, there, there are no construction noises. So uh, maybe that's what we'll do. No hard and fast rules. So, yeah, I mean, I, let, let me tell you about this extraordinary weather we've been having. Now, very good that, very good that um, it's been raining a lot. And boy, has it been raining a lot. Um, really, for about the last two, two, two weeks, ten days, something like that, we've had rain almost every day. So that's good because, you know, I've heard that the reservoirs were down to below 10%, which is, you know, extremely uh, dodgy. And the authorities were worried that they wouldn't be able to sustain, you know, tourism and all that. And uh, anyway, with the amount of rain that we've had, I believe that the reservoirs are getting up over 70% now. So you can, that tells you how much it's been raining, because these are not little, puddles of water these are gigantic reservoirs but with the uh, oh look the cyclists are out even now it's only what is it 7.58 <laughs> you're probably thinking he hasn't been podcasting that long well no I've been pausing it whilst I've been trying to look up these these songbirds 
You may think I'm carrying an encyclopedia of sound in my head. <laughs> I can instantly name the song of any bird. No, I am not. I am carrying an app on my phone, <laughs> which is the next best thing. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, sorry, the, the weather. Oh, God, look, trees down here. Um, uh-oh, listen to them. Um, yeah, so the reservoirs have been refilling, which is great news. You, you have to endure a little bit of bad weather if you want to sort of live here and be here year round. You have to be able to put up with two, three weeks of, uh, of rain. And that's okay. Well, just, as far as I'm concerned, if I was coming here for a week's holiday, and this was my only holiday of the year, I would be devastated. So I do feel sorry for the people that have come here for a bit of a break. Because God, I mean, it's all right now. The, the, the light is normal in that uh, it's grey because, you know, there's cloud cover. But yesterday uh, and, and the day before, on, on Thursday, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it, it was like, I imagine it would be on the surface of the planet Mars. Everything was red. And uh, really sort of almost glowing red. It was extraordinary. And uh, what it was, was um, the amount of red sand that the, uh, the clouds had collected as, they, as, the, as the sort of storm clouds crossed the uh, African Sahara Desert, they picked up a huge amount of sand. And I'm looking at it now because it's all been dumped. I mean, all the rocks lying on the side of the road are now red and, and coated in a sort of a layer of slippery red slick, which has come all the way from Africa, believe it or not. Born on the uh, storm winds, and then dumped <laughs> here, and not just on the rocks, on our houses, on our cars, on our terraces. Oh, it's really been something. I spent most of yesterday from about nine o'clock till one o'clock, just hosing down everything to get to get rid of this mud. So uh, really extraordinary. And, and, and before it really came down, it was just hanging in the sky. And you could see it. I mean, there wasn't sun, but the sun was... The sun was there sort of lighting up behind this, this red cloud. So it just glowed. It, it was like some sort of, uh, you know, post-Armageddon event. You know, I was thinking, is this something to do with Putin or <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> but no, it happens occasionally. I mean, people say it hasn't happened for 30, 40 years, so very occasionally, but, but it does happen. And, um, and it's not just here. I mean, I, I believe that it's the, the Alps have been coated in this stuff as well. I had a friend of mine who has a place in St. Anton. She said that, uh, you know, all the ski resorts there are red. <laughs> And we're going skiing on Sunday, so we'll see what it, Sunday and Monday, so we'll see what it's like in the Sierra Nevada. But I would imagine it's kind of like, you know, sand dunes. We shall see for ourselves.
but uh, on Thursday e- evening, going into Friday, I was lying in bed. And what I tend to do is have my earplugs in when I go to sleep, and I just fall asleep. And so, so you know, I have, might have a podcast running or something, and I don't really hear anything. And uh, I was sort of sleeping, conscious of the fact that, uh, you know, I, I could keep, kept seeing sort of through my closed eyelids, the room lighting up, sort of flashes. And I thought, what's going on? Open my eyes and, you know, yeah, the room was lighting up for like, you know, a half a second to maybe, you know, a second and a half at a time. I was thinking, what? I pulled my earplugs out, boom, crash, boom, thunder, rain slamming against the, the window. And uh, I thought, God, this is something like out of the Bible. <laughs> Cataclysmic end of the world. And, uh, and then the door opened and then Christina came in with Rooney. She said, why, can't you hear this? I said, well, I do, yes. And uh, she said, the doors are all slamming. The upstairs terrace door and the downstairs terrace door are all slamming. I had to go and close them. So I said, oh, sorry, I didn't hear anything. She said, how can you sleep through this? I said, well, I had my headphones on, <laughs> earplugs, I mean. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's not much I could do at that point. She'd already closed the door, so I, I, I just sort of, sat up and wondered at the weather for a while and then click I heard um, the all the electricity fuse <laughs> and now you know I like to be a little bit of a boy scout and uh, in anticipation of that ever happening I put a little torch in everybody's bedside table <laughs> so I was rather chuffed I thought ah I've planned for this <laughs> and I opened the bedside drawer, got out my torch, went to the, um, you know, the fuse box, and uh, re- reset it. <laughs> it's only the flick of a switch, and uh, wonderful, all the lights came back on again. <laughs> Not always that easy, but anyway. So God, I mean, crash, bang, wallop, and it went on for two, three hours, more, more, I think. God, I bet anybody who was out at sea in that must have been uh, struggling. But anyway, it, it, it stopped. And in the morning, what well, Rini and I went through, I should have put a podcast yesterday, shouldn't I? Because it was still absolutely flooding everywhere. But uh, so Rini and I went out. And uh, where we are now was in just a wash. We, you know, floods of water running alongside the road. It's, it's all sort of drained away now. Hopefully into the reservoirs and topped us all back up again. But uh, you do get, I mean, even in, Amer- in, in Connecticut, in America, you do get big storms, even in the UK. Very rarely in the UK, but sometimes. Usually, you know, beginning of summer. But the UK, by contrast, is enjoying an extended period of really nice, good, sunny, warm weather. So, oh gosh, poor people, if, if you have, you know, plan to have, well, I'll just have a quick break in Spain. This is not the month to come. Don't come in March. Really, it's so dodgy. But, 
you know, for the residents and, and, and uh, locals, we have to sort of apologize and say, yeah, but we did need it. <laughs> really good. And even Rooney, you know, I've said before, he's a complicated dog. Aren't you, Rooney? <laughs> he did not, he came in with Christina into my room on Thursday night, physically trembling. Trembling he was. And he came and laid by my bed. <laughs> I think he thought, I think I'd rather be with Dad right now. <laughs> At least Dad doesn't seem to panic because Christina was trembling as well. She's afraid of storms, poor thing. So uh, he came and lay with me for a while, and uh, he wasn't—he wasn't happy. But you know, you're all right, won't you, Runes? I, I think Runes, we're going to go back this way. Oh, yeah. So the the you know the. Storm, the Saharan storm. When he's thirsty, obviously, poor little chap. I should have put a water bowl down for him in the bedroom last night. I've started to do that because he needs water in, you know, in the night. So he's taking a little drink out of a puddle, of which there are plenty. Even though they are slightly red-tinged runes, I suppose he'll be all right. Yeah. And this stuff, now interesting, because uh, a guy called Christian Hendricks, who was a former president of La Heredia's um, resident community, <laughs> he's working with me on collecting votes and proxies for my campaign. You know, very, very nice chap, very, very good of him to do all this. So he came round to my house yesterday with a, with a fistful of pro proxies or for, you know, forms that people fill out to say, I'm not going to come to the meeting, but you can, you can have my vote and vote for me on, on the issues. So he came in with a fistful of proxies. And he, I, he, you know, at the time I was just hosing down the whole house, trying to wash the sand off the walls and, and the white paint. Our house is painted white with a sort of a, like a rose color or, or, or pink, I suppose you'd call it, simple terms. Um, around each window and, and some of the sort of, you know, features on, on, on the outside of the house. So it's a sort of a pink and white, if you like, house. But the, but the white, um, is that some of the walls have taken the brunt of the, of the storm. And uh, this red rain had hit the wall. Sorry, I may have just messed up the recording a bit there. I'm not quite sure what I did. But yeah, I was just telling you about this red rain hitting the white walls. And the uh, so Christian told me, and he's lived here for a long time. He's actually Dutch, but uh, he's lived here for you know, 30 years, I think. And uh, he told me that the, uh, the red and the rain, I've already said, it's, it's the sand from the Sahara, but um, he said, this is you know, the, the color that, that they use for terracotta. And um, it's like a dye, it's like a pigment. And they use it for henna and uh, red colours and, 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 you know, the colouring in, in terracotta pots, clay, you know, that red clay. Well, it's all from the same stuff. So he said, if you don't wash it off your wall uh, whilst it's still wet uh, and you let it dry and, and bake onto the wall, <laughs> you're stuck with it. You know, that's the, <laughs> that wall's going to be stained. I thought, oh God, well, I can't have that. <laughs> 
Then I got hose pipes out and attached them to the roof tap and I was spraying down all my walls from the top as if I could reach it. Turn the hose down this stuff and he's right. Some of it had dried and I couldn't get it off. But I got most of it off. And I tried to get it off uh, a couple of the neighbors' walls as well. I'm sure they were wondering, what the heck is this guy doing spraying my, my wall? <laughs> well, <laughs> probably think I'm up to no good, but that's actually I was trying to save their walls from getting stained. What room? We've seen something. So, uh, and it does stain. E even when you wash it off when it's still wet, it seems to stain a little bit. So, you know, you do what you can. But then I realized, you know, oh, voices. That's what Rooney was staring at. Is there somebody coming, Rooney? Oh, unusual this time in the morning. But, um, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the thing I was going to say was, there's a reason why the architecture and the materials used on people's roofs and terraces and houses here is terracotta. Terracotta literally means baked earth. T uh, t t terra, you know, earth and, and cotta in Italian baked. So, <laughs> that's all it is. And, um... Oh yeah, there's some people up there. Unusual, isn't it? We're just looking up there like, oh, how dare they be out when we're out. So our terrace, I had it retiled in, uh, when was it, September, October time. Um, and it had terracotta tiles down. And our neighbors on either side have removed the terracotta tiles and put these kind of like white marble or white uh, type tiles. And uh, I, I didn't want to do that because, well, one, aesthetically, I prefer the terracotta look. It's more authentic to this part of the world. But secondly, <laughs> practically, it makes a lot of sense. If it's going to rain red rain down, stain your walls and tiles and terraces, well, you may as well have it stain it the same colour that it already is. And you, now I understand why a lot of these houses are painted that terracotta colour. So you don't have this problem. I'm guessing that this, this red rain falls more often than once every 30, 40 years. I'm guessing it's a bit less of a phenomena than, uh, than people say. But I look down from our, from our roof terrace. Actually that terrace has got terracotta tiles too, but I've put... Um, you know, I've put that sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the sort of artificial grass down because we use that as a workout area and it's much nicer to be working out on a slightly softer surface than hard, hard tiles. Um, but underneath it is terracotta and then the lower terrace, which I had replaced last year, you know, and I'm damn glad I had it replaced because it wasn't draining properly, it, you know, it was subsidence over the years, had broken the tiles and so when it did rain water was pooling in all the wrong places not not draining away so i had it all reset and the water just drained away beautifully it was still covered in uh, this slick mud but i could i could just hose it down and it just washed away but my two neighbors either side Penilla walgren you know the uh, swedish sort of personality 
uh, it, you know, and um, Carl and Michelle on the other side, they've both got these white terraces. And I looked down and, and it did not look good. Poor things. There's going to have to be a lot more washing and scrubbing to get those back to to a decent, you know, look. Anyway, they'll get there. <sighs> so it's been... Well, what is this podcast supposed to be? <laughs> I don't know. It, oh, I never noticed that before. A little... little uh, somebody's put a little birdhouse and hung it from a branch of a tree. That'd be nice if a bird decides to inhabit that. I'll keep an eye on that. I've seen that before. There were a few of those in the uh, salt marshes where we left in Connecticut. So yeah, what is this podcast supposed to be? Well, I suppose it was supposed to be, you know, at least, at least kind of rooted in nature. So we are talking about nature, aren't we, Runes? One sort or another. Uh, here comes the motorized security guard with his canine defenses. Oh, he's going up there. Oh no, he's not the canine guy. Say goody dad. He drives around and just uh, keeps an eye on everybody's properties, which is a good thing. I have heard, I don't think now, but you know, in the past, when these houses weren't so well protected, you know, everything's gated now and you can't get in. But I have heard that some unscrupulous thieves used to sort of, you know, prey on these big mansions up in the mountains because, you know, there's obviously wealthy people living there with valuable things. And, uh, they, you know, sometimes, you know, there'd be nobody in there except just the wife or <clears throat> you know, the children. And uh, so they would pick on these houses because they're remote and, you know, it would take a long time for the police to get up here. Even if you have, you know, private security service, which most people have, you know, it takes them 15, 20 minutes to, to actually arrive by which time you got what you wanted and, and scarpered. So, yeah, well, what I had heard was that in, in some extreme cases, what they would do is they would pump gas through your air conditioning system into your house to knock you out. And then, you know, because some people had dogs and things, and then, uh, and then raid the house. You know, ghastly. No, I don't think that happens anymore. But um, those people have got a little bit more security conscious. And, and also, I, don't, I think th thieving people's possessions is, is sort of less lucrative now. Because, you know, t TVs and uh, things like that. Perhaps jewellery is you know, what they're after still. But um, I think risk and reward maybe don't, don't add up. But if somebody's got you know, valuable art or something like that, which a lot of these houses will have, then they, that'll make them probably more attractive. <laughs> I don't mean to scare everybody. I'm walking in the area called La Heredia at the moment. Where we, sorry, El Madronial at the moment. But where we live in La Heredia is virtually crime-free because, you know, it's a community and one house looks after the other. So, you know, it would be tough to, to do much in the way of crime, although people do worry about it. 
So, yeah, that, and now, of course, all these private roads, you know, they've got these electronic gates and cameras on them. So, pretty well sort of watched over. You're not, uh, you're not probably feeling too vulnerable if you're alone in one of these big houses now. Well, uh, you know, that's why my mum moved from uh, El Madrinal into La Heredia after my stepfather died. She felt, you know, a bit vulnerable. And actually, it, it, you know, it, it, it reminds me of, you know, you can't get, you can't suspend too long at the moment, at this moment in time, you know, without thinking about Vladimir Putin and what's going on in the Ukraine. But uh, it, it reminds me of what Vladimir Putin did when, was it in St. Petersburg? When um, those Chechnyan terrorists, or a group of largely women, um, took about a thousand people hostage in a, in a theater. They were watching a musical. And, and Putin was doing exactly what he's doing now in Chechnya, when he first came to power. And um, he basically reduced it to rubble. You know, he, he, what do they say? He created a desert and called it peace. Anyway, but what he did, was he pumped gas into the theater. There was about a thousand sort of innocent, you know, members of the public with their children in there watching a musical. And the policy was, let's just crush this completely, regardless of whether we're slaughtering innocent, you know, families. And um, yeah, pu pumped gas into the theater. And then apparently, um, people, especially the terrorists, and there were a larger group of women who were, you know, basically at their wits end, they were being slaughtered like, you know, animals in, uh, in Chechnya, and they decided they were just, you know, trying to highlight their cause and, and, and take this theatre hostage, and they were, you know, all armed to the teeth. And, uh, but of course, they were sort of knocked up by the gas. And had they been put in the prone position, apparently, and uh, given oxygen, they could have been sort of brought back, you know, could have been saved, but no. And what, what they did um, was just drag them out onto the street and put a bullet straight in their head. All of them, there were about 50 of them, mainly women. And uh, shocking, really, I shouldn't be talking about this, should I? But it's only because it's, you know, it's on my mind. I've been listening to and reading a lot about Putin and his background and his history. And this came up. So his tactics are somewhat familiar. <laughs> it was the sorry, it was the sort of gassing of by the thieves of these houses in uh, El Madrinal that made me think of that. But yeah, yeah, on the Putin theme, and I don't want to dwell on that, but on the Putin theme, I was kind of fascinated to learn that when Putin first got married to his first wife. Where did he go on his honeymoon, do you think? Well, you probably could guess. He went to the Crimea, and then he went to Kiev. <laughs> sort of a horrible, menacing spectre that that creates, doesn't it? 
He liked it so much he decided he would have it. <laughs> anyway, that is what happened. <clears throat> but let's not talk about that. Otherwise, there's no relief from this stressful stuff. Yeah, well, let's talk about what, uh, what's been happening. What has been happening? <laughs> We've been in sheltering indoors from the rain for most of the time, or, or getting out and trying to wash the red mud away. But uh, we did venture out yesterday. Well, I went out actually to try and pick up a pair of shoes from Maya that uh, were having restitched that we bought in Malaga last time she was here with a, a Miro style art painted on the sort of bottom, the ankles of the shoes but the tongue keeps slipping to the left this is too much detail isn't it anyway we ventured out to get those <clears throat> and to get the cars a car washed at least but we did stop off a beautiful little restaurant called El Siete the Seven and uh, Spanish and uh, yeah that was the only time we've been out lately and um, had a gorgeous kind of tomato onion and tuna salad I love the way they sort of peel the tomato skins off the tomato so everything's soft and uh, you know cover it in delicious olive oil and then we had these white prawns oh I've forgotten the Spanish name now but um, white prawns sort of dusted with flour and, and deep fried with uh, red and green peppers and onions and you eat them with the shell on it's a bit like um, soft shell crabs you eat them with the shell on absolutely gorgeous you know that just pop the whole thing in your mouth and so succulent and fresh uh, not well i was gonna say not not it's not not cheap depends where you are it was about nine euros for that, there's enough for two, so <laughs> not expensive. But uh, they're the same things that you get absolutely fresh in the covered market in uh, Malaga. What a treat! And that's all we had. We had that and uh, a bottle of white wine, and the whole thing came to 40 euros. So, and bread, and you know, those sorts of things. But you see, so you can dine out pretty well. I know I keep saying this, but we haven't been out for a while, so that was good. We've been eating in. Now that we're pensioners, <laughs> are we pensioners? Well, no, Christine's still learning, but my income has not uh, been anything for the past two years. So I suppose, yes, we are pensioners, so I am. I'm still, fingers crossed, dedos <laughs> cruzando, as they say. Fingers crossed, you know, we'll get out of this eventually and back into the earning world. But, uh, yeah, I think we're much better off living here than, uh, God, the storm's done some damage here. There's pots all broken, mud all over the road. AL11. AL11, he's just giving me his vote. <laughs> I'm getting a bit obsessed with this election. It's coming up in a couple of weeks' time, April the 11th. Trying to campaign for people to vote for me. <laughs> I've never done anything like this before. It's quite extraordinary. 
and uh, well, apparently the incumbent um, was not going to lie down and say, congratulations, you've won. <clears throat> She's going to probably try and play a few dirty tricks to uh, discount my votes, I'm told. But, uh, well, we've got, you know, there, there are possibly 200 votes or thereabouts, 200 properties. You only get one vote per property. And uh, I'm talking quietly now because I'm walking around the back of some of the houses in La Heredia. But uh, let's say there are 200, maybe 210 votes that could be cast. Well, we've got, you know, the acknowledgement from about 130 people that they'll vote for us, which are pretty good. And um, we've actually got forms, people who say, well, I'm not going to come to the meeting, but you can have our vote, from about 80. So, you know, now I'm not going to sort of get in any way complacent and uh, think that we're we're already there, because we're not. But it's a good start. And uh, counting up from the minutes of previous annual general meetings, the incumbent, well, the last one in 2019, there hasn't been one since then because of COVID and things, um, she had 34 proxies. They call them proxies, people who give, give their vote to somebody else. So she had 34, so we've got 78, nearly 80. Um, so that'll be interesting, very interesting. And uh, <laughs> you to be careful what you wish for, haven't you? So I may find myself in the uh, extraordinary position of being the president of this community <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> well, you know, good. I, I've got to have things to keep myself intellectually stimulated. I need it. You know, I, I'm sort of that kind of a guy. I never would have thought of this kind of thing before, but uh, people have asked me to do it. So we shall see, won't we, Runes? Yeah. I think I'd better put you back on your leash here. Here we are. Oh, what are you drooling for? Come on. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's a little update on that. And, uh, what I... What I do, I feel like a politician. What I do, because you know, a lot of people haven't met me and they've got issues they want to discuss. So what I do for, for Fridays between 5.30 and 7 o'clock, you know, I let it be known that I will be in the Heredian bar. <laughs> it's my clinic. I will be in the Heredian bar. If anybody would like to, you know, discuss things with me or, or you know, talk about my policy, something like that. I'll be in the Heredian bar. It's like publishing your drinking habits. <laughs> five, five thirty till seven o'clock. And uh, uh, actually I was down there last night and um, uh, nobody really sort of grilled me about that. But what I was interested in was uh, a guy called Frederick Janssen, <laughs> who's um, the vice president to the current president he appeared and he never goes to the bar. He has never been seen in that bar. 
Tanrısı. Look at me. And uh, and he's a tall Swedish guy. He came in where, you know, fully masked up. And I have to say that uh, that makes you stand out in that bar because nobody wears a mask anymore. Um, fully masked up. Was he trying to go in incognito or something? I don't know. <laughs> you can't miss him. Poor chap. I think he just felt a bit, you know, conspicuous. On the uh, premise that he wanted to sign a card for the uh, and, and give a donation to one of the security guards who's, who's sick at the moment, quite seriously sick, Miguel, lovely security guard who's, I think he's got either lymphoma or leukemia. Anyway, in comes Frederick Janssen. I think he was just scouting out, you know, what's going on down there. As he came in, signed a card, gave, gave a donation, and rushed out, didn't stop for a drink. <laughs> Made me suspicious, <laughs> Frederick. You don't need to. And, and as he came, as he walked past me, I said, oh, "You're Frederick, aren't you?" And he said, "Yes." I said, "Well, hello, I'm John." And shook him by the hand. <laughs> Wouldn't let him just get out that easily. Not that I was in any way trying to pick on him. I just wanted him to know that, you know, I'm not carrying any, you know, malice towards him or anything like that. It's just a straightforward, you know, democratic situation. <laughs> I don't think they see it that way, though. We'll see. So yeah, in three weeks time, we'll know. I've got a feeling that I'll be saying to you, <laughs> there's been some dirty tricks and somehow I've been cheated out of my, my victory. Well, I haven't got a victory yet, but uh, sheer numbers are against her. Anyway, we'll see. And now, I'm walking around here and uh, this is a beautiful street. Hola, buenos dias. ¿Qué tal? And I notice that's one of my favorite gardeners. And I notice, now this is one of the problems that people don't like. The gardener who works for the whole community is just cleaning up the terrace of one of the big supporters of the current president. Now, of course, you can jump to conclusions. <laughs> but, you know, that's not really what they're for. All the common areas and the staircases and that sort of stuff, yes, and the gardens and flower beds. But actually doing people's personal gardening and cleaning up for them, that's not what they're there for. And so one cannot help but suspect a little bit of well, nepotism is not quite the right word, but you know what I mean. Shouldn't happen. I, wouldn't, I don't like that kind of thing. You know, if you, I think her sort of what, what, what people tell me is her style is if you basically um, please me, I will reward you with favors. <laughs> And uh, that can't happen. That sort of stuff has got to be wiped out. I'm really against it. And uh, so I think I've just seen it in play. I wasn't sure I believed it. People told me she, she does all that kind of stuff. Uh, was, my sort of default position is always, you know, 
not to sort of condemn people for that sort of stuff, but I have heard so much about it that I beginning to believe it must be true. Anyway, we're, uh, we're back into the village now, so I think it's time to wrap up runes. Yep. And he's quite happy to wrap up, he wants his breakfast, so we'll move into the close. Well, I don't know what happened there, but my clothes that I recorded earlier didn't come out, so I'm going to have to re-record it, which is what I'm doing right now, right next to my wife, who is cleaning the windows in Maya's bedroom in anticipation of her being here in a few hours' time, which we're looking forward to, aren't we, Mama? Yes. Yes, she says. Look, that's her voice. Her voice on the Stutz car. Say that again. Yes. <laughs> See, very rare. Very rare. Okay, so I'm actually in the house now, looking, well, I'm standing on Maya's balcony, looking out to sea, and ooh, looking at our neighbor's terrace. What a mess. It's just like a load of sand coating everything, all her furniture, her white tiles. I look over to my other neighbor's terrace, I can't really see. I think it's a similar scene. I look down to our terrace without being smug and I see it's all clean and terracotta coloured. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And uh, well, we look forward to the month ahead having our daughter here, despite the fact that she's going to have to disappear for four days back to London. On oh, next Sunday, actually, she's got to go back to London to spend four days with Morgan Stanley on a four-day kind of financial sector orientation program, which is pretty cool. Um, but anyway, it's only four days, so she's here for the whole month, except for those four days. So, we will speak before then, but in the meantime, thanks again for listening. Speak soon.